Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Monday, April 11th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. A week ago today, Kansas won the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, and on Sunday, the Jayhawks held a parade along Mass Street in Lawrence. Tens of thousands showed up to watch the procession of Kansas players, coaches, and team personnel. On today's show, we discuss the event and several other KU topics with beat writers Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell. The upcoming barnstorming tour, guessing at next season's roster, and where Kansas stands on the NCAA punishment timeline for the alleged violations are topics today. Okay, so let's get started. Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell are with us. They cover the Jayhawks, and um, there was a parade in Lawrence on Sunday, which looked good. I mean, they seemed well-behaved and... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, TV, local TV, Kansas City TV covered it really well. It was on all the channels in, in Kansas City. Um, Gary, what um, uh, you were there and just wondering what your impressions were of the parade and did, uh, did Kansas pull it off as well as it looked on TV? Yeah, I think it was pretty, pretty good because, well, for a few reasons, but from a media standpoint, the players got there about an hour early so we could interview them more than we probably had all season combined, you know, I mean, in terms of, they usually don't let the media talk to players one-on-one. So this thing, it was run by the city also. So we could just grab anybody we wanted, which was fun uh, and nice. But uh, Bill Self rode in the same Corvette, the 59 Corvette that he rode in in 08 and Larry Brown rode in in 88 because it's Doug Compton owns it. And he's got all these cars and he put in a new battery and it started right up, he said. So Self and Cindy and their granddaughter, Ella, drove in that car. And uh, some of the Jayhawks were in trucks and stuff. One of the dealerships supplied 10 trucks. So it's kind of, you know, a lot of businesses have to cooperate. Topeka BMW sent in several cars. So uh, the Jayhawks just got in them at about five till two and drove down Mass Street real slowly, signed autographs, waved, and uh, just did the parade thing. But uh, no speeches or anything to the fans. But I think there were a lot of people there. When I left, there were a ton of people going over the bridge into North Lawrence. So a lot of people decided to park over there. I don't by Johnny's and the yeah so it was it was it was okay I don't know how long it took because no way I was going to walk the whole route but they went down from 6 to 19th street and called it a day okay 
Well, the, the TV coverage all lasted anywhere between a half hour and an hour. Or so, oh, okay. Hey, look, as as parades go, I think that's kind of all you want. You know, you want to see who you want to see, and then and then get out of there. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't realize that the, the same car had been used in the previous three NCAA championships. That's gosh, they got to put that on display somewhere. Put that in the booth uh, Hall of Fame or something. Um, that's. Uh, say you know, and, and not to be used until the next championship. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. yeah they should. Uh, Compton should sell that, but I think he he has emotional ties to it because he's Larry Brown's good friend and business partner, and he's real close to Bill. So, yeah, I don't I don't know how many vehicles were in the parade, but it seemed like everybody had one. David Lawrence, uh, the radio broadcaster, had <laughs> one, and. Chris Tyson, I saw in one of them, um, you know, VP of communications over there. And, but I think the more popular, one of the more popular ones next to self was the one that Ochai Abaji and David McCormick were in. They seemed to be getting the, their share of basketball's caps and t-shirts tossed at them to, to sign. And I have no idea how they got those items back to the people that were, uh, that had sent yeah. them their way. They and, were you know, throwing the stuff into the cars, which was, Nice of the players to sign them. So uh, fans, as you know, they want they want autographs more than anything. And at all the camps and different things they held, they all the popular part is the autographs. So they were good about signing stuff yesterday. I had to cover the Royals parade in fifteen and the in the Chiefs after they won the night the Super Bowl in the twenty nineteen season. And of course they were um Varying crowd estimates for those events, anywhere from, well, I won't even dignify the the overestimation with it, but somewhere in the hundreds of thousands. It was was there any estimate for the the Jayhawk parade yesterday? I haven't heard one, uh, but the police said that one of the rallies had seventy thousand. So I doubt there were as many as those rallies. If you saw pictures of Mass Street, you know after the final four and after the title game. So who knows? Uh, they were five deep at some parts on the route, but maybe somebody else would comment. But if they only had, if they had 70 for the, the celebration, I don't think there would be 70 yesterday. Right. Okay. Well, next up for Kansas in terms of uh, some kind of gathering would be the barnstorming tour. Now, Kansas has been doing this for as long as I've been here, maybe even before that. Maybe that's another practice that started with Larry Brown. Um, I, I seem to them, I seem to remember in the early Roy Williams years, Kansas would barnstorm. Of course, barnstorming is when the back then it was just the seniors who the graduating seniors who would uh, tour the state, uh, play exhibition games against often alumni teams, and. You know, and, and it was the first chance for them to make any money off of their, um, you know, uh, off, of, off of their skills or likeness. And uh, but after not having this barnstorming for a couple of years, the KU is back at it. They're going to I think uh, the Wichita East High School is the first stop on April 23rd. But what's going to happen at these barnstorming tours, Gary? Who, who are they going to who's going to play or are, are they going to play or? How are these days going to unfold? The barnstorming, like you said, was the seniors would play an all-star team. 
like let's say the Wichita All-Stars guys who went to small schools and stuff, well, there'd always be a preview article in the Hayes paper. So we're not picking on Hayes or anything. And the players saying, Oh, we're going to beat the Jayhawks. We don't care. Well, then you show up and the game is a joke. You know, it's like the Globetrotters, the Jayhawks come out, handing out pizza, pulling little kids from the stands. It's just another love fest for the fans. It's not really a game. You know, they call it a game. This year, all 18 can play because of NIL. So KU cannot advertise the game. The play, the organizers can't advertise the game because it would be an extra uh, competition violation. So they'll just throw the word game in somewhere on the poster and it'll it'll be like Bill Self's camp where the, the players will bust out into drills and a scrimmage. And they won't, they can't keep score. That doesn't mean the fans can't, but it's a, the big thing for fans is it's a 90 minute autograph session before they even do a clinic. So they sell it now as a clinic. Well, they're still going to call it barnstorming and they're still going to play a little bit, but the, the, the hook is the 90 minute autographs to start it. Jesse, did you ever cover one of those? A little bit recently. Um, I've just gone with Gary before to some of these local ones, but you're right that it went back to the Roy days because I remember going to one way back in the day where uh, in Emporia growing up where Greg Ostertag showed up and that was the tallest human I had ever seen. And uh, it was a weird one. I don't know. I think he got frustrated with something, ended up chucking his shoe into the stands. But uh, <laughs> Gary, Gary's right. Usually it doesn't uh, doesn't remain that competitive. It kind of gets to be like a, a, a sort of globetrotter-esque sort of exhibition. But mostly people want to come out there, take the photos, uh, get selfies, get autographs, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, the, the difference this year is just you're you're able to bring in more people now. It doesn't have to be the seniors. It can be anybody. So uh, yeah. yeah, good, good for the Jayhawks to be able to take advantage of that. And I'm sure that all these things will be well attended, especially because uh, they just won the title. Ostertag uh, used to have a golf tournament in Lawrence. It lasted three or four years right after he was in the pros. Well, it might've been the same year you saw him. They advertised to come out to the park where Ostertag was going to have a little clinic with the boy scouts or something. So I went out there at early in the morning and I think Greg probably was up all night or whatever. So he shows up for the clinic and, and I love Ostertag and not ripping him, but he said, I'm going to show you all how to block a shot here. And he gives this little kid, the ball, the little kid, he goes, shoot it. The little kid shoots it. Ostertag blocks it, knocks it into oblivion. (laughs) And, uh, he knew that everybody was like, Oh my goodness. He, so to salvage it, he picked up the kid and let him dunk it. But Greg was, somebody dragged him there and uh, that was his clinic. He just blocked the heck out of the shot. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Greg, I do like him a lot. I talked to him once in a while. He's the oldest, tallest hockey player ever known to man. He plays hockey in uh, Texas. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know that about Greg. Andy um, raised some money during those golf tournaments for charity, but 
those golf tournaments usually die out. Mario's uh, actually has finally, I believe, ended. He had about 15 of them. I could go back to Greg for a second. Uh, I didn't see him throw a shoe, um, but I did see him in an NCAA tournament game toss his retainer across the court. He actually slid it. <laughs> it popped him in the mouth and it messed up his retainer. So he took it out and slid it across the court to the Kansas bench. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad my memory of him throwing things is not off then. So we, we are confirming this right now. <laughs> oh, he was quite the personality. Uh, okay. Hey guys, let's, let's take a break. And we've got a couple other topics to hit when we come back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, we're back with Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore, who cover Kansas. We're talking Jayhawks. Um, it was a week ago today, guys, um, that Kansas won the national championship, beating North Carolina in a comeback for the ages. And uh, Kansas celebrated with a parade on Sunday, as we as we mentioned. Do, do we know why the, the parade was Sunday and not Saturday? It seemed like Saturday would have been a, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Weekend day. Was there is a reason it was Sunday and not Saturday? Yeah, there was logistical issues uh, for KU to do this. For one, the spring game was Saturday. Um, so that that kind of tied things up a little bit. I know that I think there was an initial talk of them trying to lead the parade to the spring game and then have people enjoy things there. But I think another one that was on campus, there was uh, an Indian powwow that had been scheduled for a long time. And, um, you know, the logistics, again, of, of bringing in a lot of different people uh, to town and then having that sort of anchor on top of it was uh, some of the logistical issues, especially since that was taking place on campus. So I think they ran into a few issues with that, but that's that's the reason that it got to Sunday. But I think as Gary can attest, I think it all worked out pretty well. And, and Sunday was a beautiful day for a parade. Yeah, weather was definitely better on Sunday than Saturday. And if they had done it Saturday, then Tian would not have had his moment at the spring game, which uh, – <laughs> I didn't know he had that good an arm. That, that's a pretty nice pass, the 50-yarder. Yeah, so that was uh, Lance Leipold's idea, he said. He said he talked to his director of football operations to see if they get somebody on KU's team involved with that. And Christian, uh, as he normally is, is, was ready to raise his hand and get in all the football pads and do that. And 
very interesting for Chris, I think, um, to be able to throw that deep pass. Of course, you know, you look at the defensive line on the play. It was the last play of the first half, and they all just sort of fell down, and so did the defensive backs to allow him to throw this pass. But uh, I always think of the old George Brett. You know, George Brett batted left but threw right. And growing up, you think that's kind of interesting that a guy would swing the bat left and, and throw it right where it kind of seems backwards. But, you know, swinging a bat is a little bit different. Chris Dean throws left and shoots right. Uh, that, that to me is a little bit of a, a wackier one because like, isn't that the same sort of skill set? Like when, if you're shooting a basketball, it'd be kind of like throwing a dart would kind of like throwing a football, but nope. Sure enough, Chris Tian, the uh, lefty went in there and, and threw a deep pass. Lawrence Arnold caught it, uh, for the last play of the, the half. And, um, it, it was, you know, a fun moment in the spring game, uh, for the guys and obviously for Chris Tian and the basketball teammates to celebrate that sort of thing. And, um, the football team seemed to enjoy it too, which I think that's that's something to be noted right now because we know in the past that hasn't always been the case where those two sides have gotten along, embrace each other. Even we can talk about coaches uh, in, in that sort of aspect as well. So uh, a funny moment for him. And like I said, everybody seemed to enjoy it and sort of the standout moment from what was a day that was getting ready to celebrate the national championship in basketball and football sort of embraced that as well. So when we uh, talked last, you guys, it was after the the, uh, the game, the national championship game, about 1.30 in the morning, as I recall. Um, and of course, you guys were about, I don't know, halfway through your work that night <laughs> and writing. So, uh, you know, and I asked some questions about you know, looking ahead that really, you know, it was too soon, right? You can't, you have some thoughts you've been thinking about it for a while, but it's just kind of too soon and not in the moment. So with a week behind us, um, uh, we having advanced uh, a week, let's, let's try to go there again. And Gary, just tick off the names of the players who absolutely will not be in a Kansas uniform next season because of eligibility or uh, just there, there, there's yeah. a handful who is definitely not going to be with Kansas next year. That would be Ochai, Remy Martin, Mitch Lightfoot, Jalen Coleman Lands, and then your walk on Tian. Uh, I think that's it. And then uh, Dewan Harris is back as a starter returning. McCormack could come back if he wanted to for his super senior year. Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson could test, probably will test the waters, you would think. And uh, they got four recruits coming in that were three were McDonald's All-Americans. So uh, a lot of unknowns still. Bill Self meets with all the players, I think, starting this week. And they, they talk about their futures and tell Bill what they're thinking. So usually there's transfers. Don't know if there will be this year. Uh, usually there's NBA testing of the waters. You would think there will be a couple guys do that at least. And uh, recruiting the portal now, you know, is full already. So uh, Bill needs kind of needs to know so he can hit the portal if he needs to. Right. And there's that, there, there's that other, kind of level of player, the freshman this year, the Zach uh, Clements and what the recruiting class of, of 2022 that all have, um, you know, those are the probably 
anymore the the primary portal uh, candidates, aren't they? Guys that didn't play recruits who didn't play much this year. Yeah, and uh, Pettiford's one of those. Um, yeah, because we never really know how happy they are or how happy uh, Bill Self is with them, or he's he's a pretty good judge of talent. So, you know, he, they don't run guys off, so to speak, but I'm sure if some guys in the past have left that he probably didn't project, probably told them they didn't project minutes wise, you know, to, to do much. So they've had a ton of transfers both ways in and out. And that's the way it is in modern hoops. And like I said, we don't really know if the current freshmen are just loving life here or want one thirty minutes somewhere. So <laughs> we just wait and see as it becomes more and more like Bill is a coach slash general manager. Right. So, so Jesse, I wonder how much, especially with players like like uh, Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson, how much. Uh, I, I think they owe it to themselves to have a an Abaji-like approach to the NBA. You, you, you get tested and evaluated, and, and if it doesn't work out, you come back. But how much does NIL possibly p- play a role in a player who, uh, you know, is a marginal, could be a marginal NBA prospect, but uh, is, is a guaranteed star in college and has value his name, image, and likeness has value, especially in a place like Lawrence. Um, could, that's something that you know guys like Jalen Wilson and Christian Brown have not had to consider previously. But now there's it seems like there's an if if finances are you know important, that's that's an option for those players. Yeah, I think it changes the math for the guys that are like fringe second round potentially undrafted have to go do that sort of thing and so uh i I always think back to Dedrick lawson is the one example to me where he just left kansas and potentially had another year left but you know just went because he needed to turn pro and he was old and you know you just move on that sort of thing um wayne selden might have been another example he kind of moved on just because it was sort of time for him he'd been there three years he was expected for a while to stay there one uh, but that's where the NIL can kind of change the game. You can come back to college and then make almost as much money, if not more, than if you were playing for one of the G League teams and being out there and doing that sort of thing. So I, I don't think that this is a play for Christian Brown because, again, most of the mocks I've seen have him in the first round. So if that really is the case, I think you go. I mean, I, go. I don't know I don't know why you turned down a first-round pick. I mean, we can talk about – Ojai Abaji and his ascension and all the things he did. But I mean, Christian Brown did the same thing this past year. He went from undrafted to now. And if you have a first round potential, I mean, guarantee maybe it's too strong, but if you're late first, early second, I, I just don't see any reason why you would stick around. But, you know, I can't speak for Christian Brown. Maybe he loves it here. He obviously does love it here. But um, if, if the pro potential is there and it's time to go, then it's time to go. Uh, Jalen, I think is a little bit different. Uh, he obviously improved this past year as well, but I haven't seen him as many, on as many draft boards. So he might be one more kind of you're, like you're talking about Blair, where, uh, potentially the NIL is the sort of thing. If he comes back to Kansas, uh, and does that sort of thing, he can make enough money to, to make it worth his while while still remaining a star at KU and enjoying his time here. I, I don't know what a, what a G league salary is. I don't know what the range is in the G league, but I suspect that 
you know, being a Kansas, a starter on a Kansas basketball team that just won the national championship, um, uh, financially that could be matched. Um, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars for, you know, for, for a player. So something to consider and to keep an eye on as players uh, make their decision. Jesse, let's, let's, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the independent accountability resolution process, the IARP. Nobody knows when we're going to hear anything. I, I think of all of the handful of cases that's, that has, that have been heard by the independent committee or the, the, yeah, the committee, only one has been uh, resolved, right? That's the North Carolina state uh, penalty that uh, I think it was handed out in December, late December, I want to say. And what was interesting to me about the NC state penalty was the current team uh, did not get a postseason ban. Um, the, the, there was a fine for the university. They were put on probation and scholarships were reduced and they had multiple uh, level one, two, and three violations, but NC state didn't get a postseason ban. So as we play our, you know, the game of projecting what, what may be happening to Kansas in this process, um, I think it's worth looking at what happened to NC state. And um, I, I don't know if Kansas is next up, in the, you know, in the process, but, um, but we do think something is going to happen before the beginning of next season, don't we? Yeah, we do. So it's an interesting point in the process here. So final four week, I checked the IRP site and it was kind of like half hacked where you would <laughs> click on it and it would take you to some wacky pop-up. But when you stop the loading of it, I checked KU's uh, timeline and it was updated through March. And so there wasn't too much on there, uh, just kind of back and forth. And um, I, we have the story up at the start. People want to check it out. But what's very interesting is after I posted that story, you go back on there now, the site is not hacked anymore. And it also doesn't have those three months worth of entries. So uh, it's kind of like a little peek inside of what has happened in the last three months, even though the IRP site now has taken that down probably in response to the story that we wrote uh, and potentially Kansas not being very happy about all that coming out during final four week or the IARP releasing that then. So um, yeah, so it's what's interesting about this log Blair is that an earlier period, it sounded like KU wanted to come to a resolution with the NCAA and IRP and kind of have a negotiated settlement here. And the talk of that language is now no longer there. So it seems like the parties were close to something happening, potentially even before the NCAA tournament started this year. And now that has gone away. So we can follow along in the timeline of this case. And with those entries that are now no longer on there that, uh, you know, is in the story of the Kansas State Star, if you want to check it out. Uh, but that doesn't have on there a hearing. It doesn't have on there some of these steps that need to happen in the process if this thing is going to absolutely be seen all the way through. So I agree with you, Blair. They're they're trying to get this thing done. They're you know Mark Emmer, the president of the NCAA, said that these things have taken too long. Whatever the hiccup was, it seemed like Kansas and the IRP and the NCAA were on track to have something completed, and then it fell apart. And now they're still sort of on track, at least at this moment, to complete this thing here in the next few months. But like I said, for that to happen, we've got to see a hearing on there. We've got to see uh, certain steps take place. So uh, it seems like potentially that this thing. Uh, will be done before next season, but is not close to done right now, at least as it stands at this current moment without there being a negotiated resolution. So we will continue to hold on and see when the official 
updates come on that particular website. But uh, yeah, m- maybe not as imminent as we once thought, but that's sort of where this thing stands. And uh, yeah, you talked about maybe, I think that what they like to talk about is punishing the adults in the room is the sort of thing. And so uh, potentially that might be what happens here is that um, Bill Self and Curtis Townsend would face most of the penalties punishment if they were found you know, guilty or whatever of these charges rather than the current team. But then again, this is the granddaddy of all of the cases. This is the case that everybody's eyes are on. So if Kansas does not get a postseason ban, I think there's going to be a lot of unhappy people out there. So again, something interesting to track, but I think we will know here in the next few months. All right. And so the other schools that are in, in the process are, I think Memphis is one, uh, Louisville, and I think Arizona, uh, along with Kansas. LSU too, Blair, remember, Will Wade, uh, they got their uh, amended notice allegations and they fired Will Wade, gotcha. uh, the head okay. coach. Okay, well, very good. Well, we'll link to the uh, to your story, Jesse, and also to all the parade coverage by, by Gary Bedore. And as always, great catching up with you. And um, we will do it again when there's news to talk about. Thanks, guys. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing today's show and to the Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. I read our KU coverage along with stories about the Masters, the end of the NBA regular season, the busy day in baseball and auto racing in the morning sports edition. It's great stuff. Go to KansasCity.com and the subscription tab at the bottom for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.